Welcome to Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Health law broken down through expert discussion, real client issues, and real life experiences. Breaking barriers to understanding complex healthcare issues is our job. And good morning or good afternoon, everyone, wherever you are, whatever time you're listening. Uh, another episode of Health Law Talks at Shahardi Sherman William. And just as the title suggests, today we're going to be talking about basics of a healthcare law analysis. Sort of like what happens when providers call healthcare lawyers and say, oh, I want to buy this or I want to do this deal. Um, you know, what, what do I need to do? How do I need to structure it? And in the. Uh, the uh, suite today, or the studio today, again, our co-host, Rory Bellina. Good morning or afternoon, everyone. And and Rory and I thought today would be you know, go sort of a throwback back to basics. I know that we've um, talked before on some very advanced topics, but a lot of times we get calls from physicians just starting out in their practice, or they're very entrepreneurial, and they want to sort of uh, take over the world, and they say, I want to buy this, or I want to go into this deal. And suddenly, you know, you get the call, and, the, and so we wanted to talk about what goes on in our minds, uh, and how do we help clients out when they first call us on some of the basics of a structure analysis? Sure. So I think what we talked about, you know, and I know we've discussed this in a previous episode, is getting past, you know, what you want to buy and talking about your purchase price and are we going to do a non-disclosure and go into that little exclusive period? And, and we've talked about that before and, and how to structure those, kind of the art of the deal episode that we did. But moving past that, once you kind of get past that and, you know, decide that it, it's something that you can financially do and something that you're very interested in, we start to look at it from a healthcare side. And there's definitely an initial analysis and then a more detailed one. And typically we get a lot of questions or ask a lot of questions in the beginning and then uh, kind of unpeel the onion and see where we need to go after that. And is this something that that you can do that the client's going to be happy with if we have to put parameters on it and, and what it would look like? So the first, I guess, and, and when we talk about deals, I mean, and I know we, we did do the art of the deal. I mean, I remember that episode. That was really good. Uh, but a deal could look like anything from... Uh, a physician wanting to buy another practice, a physician wanting to buy uh, some sort of an ancillary service like an imaging center um, or, you know, physical therapy, uh, speech therapy, anything that could be considered ancillary, um, maybe even DME, right? Sure. Or, uh, or something like that. So what, when we first get the call, um, even, even sometimes before the, LOI or the NDA, before we even get to those things that the art of the deal, I know sometimes we, we, it's after, uh, the question becomes is, can we do, can I do this? Sure. Right? So the first, what, you know, we, the first thing that triggers, I think, in the healthcare lawyer's mind is, is this a Stark issue? Sure. Or and, and any kickback issue? I mean, the two basic, you know, regulatory schemes that we think of structure-wise, because those are the two things that would affect, I think, the deal the most. Sure. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, our clients, I know this is definitely true for me, you know, they get pitched before they call us. Oh, they're at yeah. A, they're at a dinner or they have a friend that's doing it. The friend one is the one that always gets us, not in trouble, but we sometimes have to rein that in because they've got a friend that's doing it or has been doing it, and, and now they want to do it. They or see they how do it, lucrative it all, is. And, all these other people do it in this state. Why right. Can't, why can't we do it? And then sometimes we have to say, well here's why we wouldn't advise that. And, and let's go into those details. But a lot of times they've already been pitched on it. They're excited. They see 
their buddy doing it, how profitable it could be, how it's changed their business, it's made their life better. And, you know, they want to they want to do this ancillary company or whatever it may be. And that's when we have to say, okay, well, what is this going to look like and what all does it entail? And like you said, you know, is this a stark analysis? Is this going to be an anti-kickback analysis? And the big thing that we have to kind of, that I jump into my head is, okay, what is it? What are we billing? Who are the patients? Who's, who are the payers? And I think that is where you and I both typically go to first is what are we billing? You know, is this something that based on the code, is it a designated health service that is going to put us in the stark world or is it not? And can we just kind of push that analysis well, off to the side? Well, let's, let's step back for the listeners. So for those of you who are not familiar with stark, um, this is a, 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 I guess what we call a mosaic fluid regulation that has evolved over decades sure. in the healthcare world that was uh, initially, you know, legislated uh, into law uh, through uh, Pete Stark. Sure. I mean, way back when, uh, I would say, was it the 80s? 70s, 70s, 70s or 80s? or 80s, I think. You know, and, and so the initial thought was that we wanted to curb physician uh Overutilization on Medicare services through, uh, you know, some sort of a scheme to make money, you know, mm-hmm. by, yep. by by shuffling patients to ancillaries that that they had, you know, overutilization problems, right? Mm-hmm. They are their families was was the big concern at that time, and and right. and it was apparently very prevalent in California, which is where Pete Stark was out of. So basically, the Stark law can be broken down into uh, they call it the self referral law. Sure. And so a physician provider. Uh, and that's defined, a defined term. A provider is prohibited from referring patients uh, to uh, an entity within which they have, uh, they or an immediate family member have an ownership interest uh, for designated health services unless a specific exception applies. That is the the, the, the 50,000 foot view of the, sure. of the rule, right? And every word you just said is defined. <laughs> that's right. Is defined in the law very specifically, and there's been revisions to it in SARC 2 you know, changes some things. And there's been, we don't, we're not going to get into that today. We'll, we'll stick with the physician example, but I just like to give our listeners a little commentary or color on that, that there's, it defines it, what a true. physician is. It defines what an immediate, is your cousin an immediate family? Well, is your second cousin, your, right. your cousin by adoption. I mean, it goes into all those details. We're what's not going to do that. What's a referral, right? Sure. What's a referral? That's a, that's a really good one. Designated health services is probably the cleanest thing because every year, Um, There's a list. CMS puts out a nice spreadsheet, and you can just, if the doctor tells you the CPT code, you can just search and say, yep, it is, or nope, it's not, and and kind of move on from there. So so one of the things, as as Rory was, you know, we were discussing, you know, when we think about the call that we get and say, okay, who is our patients? Where are they coming from, et cetera? In our minds, we're going through this stark analysis, you know? So in our minds, even though we're not going to go into the detail of the defined terms, I'm thinking, okay, where are the referrals coming from? From what payor? Is it Medicare, which would you know clearly apply with Stark if, again, the other things applied? Sure. Um, is it commercial pay? Is it uh, anything that's going to affect our state law here in Louisiana? And 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 so you're running through those rabbit traps. So so break down you know uh, from the Stark problem analysis. Number one, is it a referral? Right. Number two, uh, by a physician or a provider. To an entity, what's an entity mm-hmm. within which the provider or an immediate family member, which is also defined, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, has an interest, mm-hmm. right? Which is defined. Which is which is defined uh, for DHS. Okay? Yes. Unle- which, and if it is, it's prohibited unless unless 
an exception. Correct. Now, here's the funny thing. How many times have you seen on a piece of paper an attorney write, oh, this is a safe harbor. What's the safe harbor versus exception? How many times have you seen them interchange those? In those terms, yeah, you get the safe harbors from AKS move over to exceptions to Stark and and vice versa. And they, you know, and we'll get into that. It's just because you think that you're meeting a safe harbor doesn't necessarily mean that it's. But, but then again, I have to question. I mean, sure. does the lawyer on the other side really know what they're doing no. when they make that? Right? When, when I see those terms interchange, it's either it's either done in, in a commentary like this where you're just talking really fast and you just switch the terms. But but sometimes like you can pick up little cues that, okay, wherever they got this advice from, they use the wrong term. Let me take another look at this. Right. So, so, so back to Stark. So we do yep. our Stark problem analysis and kind of say, okay, all right. Do we do we fill these buckets right? Sure. And and th- that's the first sort of the first sort of I guess hurdles right? Sure. That, that you swim through. Yeah. And then the law you know the lawyer will kick in and tell the doctor okay well or provider um, yeah yep this looks okay mm-hmm. uh, and we can move forward if we structure it X Y Z and then or that's an opportunity to say well no this is not going to work. Yeah, and you could stop right there. What 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 would go on next in your mind if, from the regulatory perspective, if a deal or structure was coming after you you sort of run the rabbit traps mm-hmm. for Stark? So I think that the big thing with Stark is that different from AKS is that it's civil and not criminal. That's and, true. We could talk about that. Yeah, could, what's yeah. the difference? And, right. And the, the a big thing is that. It's not intent based. So a Stark violation is a Stark violation, and it, it is or it isn't. And so there's not as much gray area with AKS. A lot of people are much more comfortable when they get out of the Stark world because they know, right. okay, I don't have to worry about that. If there's an alleged anti-kickback violation, they've got to. But what you mean? Tent. But what you mean by that, though? You mean like, in other words, it is or it isn't. It mean like you have to comply with all of the points of the correct exception, or you don't get it. Correct. You comply with it, or you're in violation unless you fit in a nice little box of an exception. And there's not a whole lot of gray area with Stark. No. That's that's how I like to look at it, and I think it's it's guided me well. It's guided our clients well. Um, there's a lot more movement and nuance on the anti-kickbacks. How many times have you had to have a provider tell you on the phone, Rory, you don't know the Stark exception is by heart? Shouldn't you tell me the answer the moment I tell you my hypo? You know, that that is that – <laughs> I do get some phone calls, and sometimes you get, or you're get you in the car and you're, and you're driving and you get that question, and you're like, hold on, I need to really think this through. Because it's a, it's a complicated analysis, and right. and it's it's a yes or a no. And so you don't want to give that advice. There's no gray, there's really no gray area at Stark. And so you really want to make sure that, that, you, that you're getting it right and looking at it and, and making sure that they do fit within an exception. Because if they don't, it's strict liability. It's, it's a violation's a violation. There's no, I didn't mean to do that. It, it's there. Well, one interesting thing about that, and sometimes I use this example. I said, well, doctor, doctor, you're calling me on a phone call giving me your, your hypo or your structure of your deal that you want, and you're asking me to give you an answer today. Let me ask you this, doctor. If I came in your office and said, doctor, I'm going to tell you how I feel, and I'm going to tell you that I'm not too feeling too well, I'm, I'm sick, I don't want you to do any diagnostic test on me, but I want you to tell me what's wrong with me. What would you do? How would you respond? No x-rays, no, no lab x-rays, work. No x-rays, no lab, no CTs, no, no MRIs, no nothing. And doctor, I want you to diagnose me right now. And if you don't know what it is, 
I'm going to call the next doctor. The funny thing is when I say that hypo and I, I kind of shoot it back and mm-hmm. I'm putting it in their court, they're like, oh, I get it. That now. makes sense. Right. It makes sense. That makes sense. Right. You know, and, and so uh, that example has worked for me 100%. That's a, that's a really good one. I'm going to start using that. You should. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times I will get the call and you have that moment of pause and hesitancy of, okay, I, I think I know You're the answer and the it, analysis, but... I just need to. I need to sit down and yes. sketch this out. Yes. Draw out the relationship. Double check everything. You're not that's copyrighted a, that. By that's the way. A really. That's a really. That's, okay. that's a good phrase. Yeah, but you have a. Yeah, I give you an unrestricted free use of that copyright. Thank you. There you Everyone go. listening heard that. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. But uh, assuming that we and you know an, an easy one that we can use as our example today is physician investment in an ASC. I think that's, yes. I think that's probably one of the most common things out there. You got a lot of doctors out there Got a lot of doctors that do well, procedures. Because now, that we, now that the whole hospital exception is gone. Sure. The next avenue is getting something on a facility fee and the ASC is like, is the, is the target. Sure. And, and I think in ASCs, you know, are having relatively shorter and shorter lifespans yes. from what I see. Yes. They're, they're opening up, they're lasting a while. People are making their money and they're closing or being sold. And then we're going to open up a new one with new technology and new equipment. And so you keep seeing this cycle of physician investment. So I think that's a good example that, you know, gets you out of Stark. We don't have to worry about that. Um, pivot over to the AKS side. Well, well, and, and, and I think when we get to AKS, it's a lot more difficult. Sure. Um, because now we're looking at a criminal-based, intent-based, you know, regulation. Sure. So... Uh, so now the in, in, in the, this, the, when I try to tell providers that AKS is is more problematic, the, the issue with AKS is that the safe harbors are there that that you, tr- you you're, I find you're never going to fit one wholly 100. percent Correct. And and another thing that's very nuanced with anti kickback statute, which uh, you give a really good definition for Stark, so I'd love for you to give one for AKS. Okay, is that just because you don't meet a safe harbor? Right. Does it mean that you're violating AKS? That, right. I mean, every, you want to find one for your, your client to be in, but just because it's not there doesn't mean that you're violating it. So, only, But before we go there, AKS, differentiate that or tell everybody what that is compared to Stark. So, so AKS is just for any kickback statute. And and basically, it, it was a regulation that, that was put into place by the government, not necessarily for just healthcare, but really for anything. Sure. So basically, it prohibits... Um, it, it prohibits any remuneration, and that which could is be defined again defined term, and that could be in cash or in kind, mm-hmm. and that could be in anything. Yep. Um, to basically elicit overutilization of of governmental services, if you will, and and that's I mean that's the the broadest mm-hmm. ba- the broadest definition. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot more defined definition right. in the statute, but right. that's 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 how I see it. Um, and, and maybe did I, did I hit all the points? I don't know if I know those are the big points, you know, where my analysis almost instantly goes, or really when I say, when mm-hmm. people call me and, and ask me for, you know, is this a violation of AKS? They'll say, but we're going to carve out Medicare patients. We're oh, not going to do, yeah, we're is. not going to do Medicare patients. We're not going to take TRICARE. Uh, we're not going to do Medicaid patients. Does that change your analysis or or what about in Louisiana? Does Louisiana have a mini AKS? Or they do. Or state? And, we, we do. And and uniquely in Louisiana is that it's payer neutral. 
is payer neutral and in the state law we do. So you could cut out Medicare and you could cut out, you know, Medicaid and you could cut out TRICARE, you could cut out FEBA, everything out of for the feds, right? But but in Louisiana, our state, we 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 have the the mirror I call mirror AKS. Sure. So, you know, if you if you want our state attorney general looking at you, right. you know, you could continue that route. Which to my knowledge, I don't think I don't has think ever they, been prosecuted. I don't think so either. But you don't want to be the first one either. Right. The test Especially case. Especially when you have an aggressive attorney general. So I don't think anyone wants to get on. I think we could say Jeff Landry is very aggressive. Yes, I don't think anyone wants to get on his radar, no. especially for a healthcare thing in no. this political climate. So no, I agree. I um, totally agree. You know, but getting into it, get so we we move past that in our comments with the client and talking about okay, mm. go back to my doctor that wants to invest in an ASC. Okay, what are the? We're not in Stark because it doesn't meet. A code that's okay. designated health services. So, start, so when it, when you when you when you not when it's not it's probably the easiest the easiest time to sure. say it's not Stark. If it's not on the enumerated list of DHS, it's out. It's out of my head. I'm out. Not, we're I'm, done. We're out. Totally done. But now I'm thinking of anti kickback, right. and I'm thinking, okay, is there a safe harbor for this? How do we structure this? And luckily, there's safe harbors out there for a majority mm-hmm. of things. I would say there's not a whole lot out there that's just up. A hard no. What are some things that you've run into that you think are, are I guess, a, a hard no on something? Ooh. Um, recently, okay, I, I, that's a good question. Recently, I've had a question about physician-owned distributorships. Okay, a pod. Pods, yeah. pods okay. And, and the question was by a neurosurgeon, um, if I develop X device sure. with X company, and I own a portion of that company. Right. Okay. Can I then have my hospital, who I, which I, in this particular case, it's a, one of the few private hospitals left. Okay. Can I require my hospital to buy from this? My distri- pod. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and this hospital is Medicare. Okay. So in other words, it's, it's, you know, they, they got in right under the gun before ACA. It's Medicare approved and, and, and says, well, can I, can I require the hospital to buy from the pod my device to use in my patients? And the answer to me, I mean, is pretty clearly no. I mean, that's a direct line. You're benefiting from yep. the purchase directly, and you're in the position to refer. That's a prohibited remuneration unless we can find a safe harbor that would apply. Right. And I don't think there is something that, with that direct mm-hmm. straight line like mm-hmm. that, something that would apply. Yep. Uh, so that would be the hard no. What are your thoughts? I know that another popular one that I'll always get is when you've got someone who wants to bring in a rep, and they use that word very loosely, but a rep, like a sales rep, a sales rep to market another word that I use very loosely, a sales rep mm-hmm. to market something. How are you going to structure that? And what are the pitfalls that they're going to face? Are you going to, because 99% of the phone calls that I get when someone wants to bring on a sales rep to market a medical device, they want to pay them on commissions, right? They want to pay them on doctors that get signed up. That's the first thing I ask is how are you paying the sales commission? And tell me the truth. Right. Because I can't, I can't give you advice if you tell me one thing and then do another because it's, it, it would just, it just, it's not going to work. Right. You know, so if you're paying the sales rep based on volume, or the value of the sale, we have a problem. Absolutely. 
I mean, that, that's just, yep. that's it. If you're paying the salesman a set fee, right? In other words, your annual salary is X, regardless of the volume or the value of the sales. And we set it for a year. Which follows under the bona fide mm-hmm. employment safe mm-hmm. harbor. I'm okay. Yep. yep. So here's the, okay, I'm going to lob it back in your court, Mr. Bellina. So what happens if the response to the question is, okay, in this particular case, a sales rep, mm-hmm. what happens when we set out a bona fide safe harbor through exactly what we talked about, mm-hmm. one year set in advance, but I've got a bonus structure. I have a bonus structure because I want to make sure to bonus all my salespeople. Right. Got to bonus them, right? That basically pays on a, not per sale, mm-hmm. but a bracket a bracket. In other words, if you've got 150 sales, it's 5,000. If you got whatever the number is, it's 10,000. Sure. It's a lockstep. Because now you're you're pay, you he's you're bo- I mean you're paying him, you're bonusing him based on your based on the volume essentially or the value that but he's I'm, But I'm arguing that no, no, it's 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 not really volume because it is a block. Mm-hmm. And the block is set in advance. So Am I, yeah, see, this is where the fun begins. This is the gray sure. area, right? So, And this is where intent comes in, too. Correct. So if the intent was to reimburse the salesman, or sorry, compensate the salesman based on the volume, which I would argue it is. You know, I mean, I, w- I would say anytime you're giving a bonus based on the number of mm-hmm. sales, even if it's in a block, sure. even if it's set in advance, mm-hmm. even if the amounts are set in advance, you're still reimbursing, I'm sorry, compensating mm-hmm. the sales rep on a volume of sales. Uh, though I see the arg- the counter argument to that. So the counter argument is that they might not sell anything and they're still going to get that base. You've set it in advance. Yes. It's been set for a year. What about setting the block in advance? So in other words, the block mm-hmm. bonus of like 5000 is set in a year. You know, it wasn't saying, oh, you did 100 sales. Mm, I'm going to give you 50 grand, whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's set. It's already set, but it's set based on volume. From what I've seen, again, like you said, that's a very gray area. How often do we get gray area calls? It's it's a it's very common. And it's is is the government, is the OIG looking at that? Right. And what's been their advisory opinions on those type of really relationships. That's another good thing to talk about too, because just as we both know, OIG posts advisory opinions on their website, mm-hmm. which also provides good guidance on how the government views certain structured arrangements. Sure. And I think it's important to to always look at those. It's important to know uh, that the advisory opinions are just that they're advisory. They redact 50% of the information out of it. And they always say that it's fact specific and situation specific, but it gives us a little bit of a look inside the glass of how the UIG is looking at these things. Right. Are they doing, I think the big thing from what I can tell is what they're looking at are, are really like the sham employment agreements. And I think right. you get into trouble where your base salary is so low and the bonus is so high that it really is a sham pay for pay for you know business. But an example like that, I mean, when you talk to clients and you talk to, to and they want answers, right? right. Uh, how many times have you told a, a provider or client that look, I see your your compensation model, I can't guarantee you nothing's going to happen, right? 
It, it, it's I common. Can't. You can't because again, it's it's intent based. It's is if the government were to come in and say you were intending to defraud and intending to induce compensation or remuneration. So what, what, let me ask you this. So what advice would you give not only healthcare lawyers or lawyers, but providers who are seeking to do in this particular this case, model? Right. I mean, how would you advise them? Um, what recommendations would you give? I think in, in the model that we're talking about where there's a set base and then it, it's compensation is that it, it needs to really look and smell and feel like a true employment agreement. And, and look, a lot of people do bonuses and, you know, different types of programs for selling more, but it, it needs to have some structures of a true employment agreement. There needs to be, and, and, and you know, the, it goes back to kind of the, the argument of, are you really an employee? So there is this a sham employment agreement. Right. And you're really an independent contractor. Right. And you never go into the office. You never get any training. You never even talk to anyone. You just go out and sell. They're giving you this little you know, $10,000 base salary, and then they're just bonusing you six figures. And you've never been into the office. You don't do anything. You've got no set hours, no oversight, no nothing. I think that's a pretty clear argument. It's a sham employment agreement. You're being paid based on, sure. your, based on your volume and value. That's, that's the kind of thing I advise against. I think that you look at the factors of what is a true employment agreement. Are there parameters in, in place? Are you checking in with that rep? You know, are they being accountable or are there meetings, some sort of set structure and hours and schedule where you know what they're doing? And is their compensation realistic for what they're doing? And then they get they really do get a bonus on top for for going uh, over and above. It's hard to draw that line because the the owner of the company wants to give them as low a base as possible. He wants it to be all production based because the more money he makes, the more he obviously doesn't care about paying out. Um, and, and the reps are very used to that too, because just because it's not the right way to do it for every, you know, 10 calls I get where I give that advice, there's another 50 people out there that are doing it the wrong way. And, and all these guys talk, all these reps talk and they hop around from one place to another. And before this was so he heavily regulated, especially in like the device world, that's how all these guys get paid. No, and true. I mean, and we're talking about one single safe harbor here, the right. the bona fide sa uh, employment, employment safe harbor. So, I mean, there are many more safe harbors that we that we could discuss. But, sure, but but and just like like Stark Law exceptions, there there are tons of Stark Law exceptions. We only touched on on sure. on I think one, and we can yep. you know so so when we're looking at this, you're looking at as many safe harbors or exceptions as you can, and 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 in this particular case, I mean, clearly. Uh, especially when you come to AKS, sure. th there isn't a 100% guarantee like we're stark. If you and don't I, meet everything, you don't get it, you know? And I think it's important before we, before we wrap this up, because I know we got specific on, on one safe harbor, is is explaining to the client what it is. It's a criminal statute, and it's intent-based. AKS. Yes. yes. So really explaining to them that, look, if there were to be an allegation, the government would have to allege that you intended to defraud and prove it mm -hmm. and they have to meet that burden now it doesn't make clients feel very comfortable because they you want to get them in a safe harbor but it's a lot higher of a burden and so can they meet it has the government met it? yeah they do it all the time um, they'll get you under a grand jury indictment and they've got all this evidence they go through your billing records 
they are they, they you know they dive in your trash can or there's a whistleblower yeah. that's telling you oh this is they're not these reps never come in and they get this little check in the mail and they get their huge bonus at the end of the month. Then that happens all the time. And has the government proven it? Yes, absolutely. Or they'll get you to crush under pressure or get somebody to flip on you and take a deal. Yes, because they they want that win, they want the money back, all that. But it's still important to advise that it's intent-based, and I think that gives clients some comfort because a lot of clients have no intent to defraud. They just want to structure it the best way that they can. Uh, and I want to. I know we're wrapping it up, but I do want to say this. So when you do the, the deal, and like we do the art of the deal, and you write in there a paragraph, mm-hmm. and you know I'm going with this maybe, that we have no intent right. of violating the AKS. Sure. And you put it in writing. So, yeah. And sometimes I have clients say, well, if we just put it in writing, will that satisfy right. it? So, they, so right. I mean, I, I try to tell people that just because you write it down. Well, I if I'm ever requested to give <laughs> I mean, a written opinion on an anti-kickback statute, I'm very cautious with what I write. And I'm very clear to say this is a criminal statute. That is intent based because you really you, you just don't know, but you have to just hedge because it. you write it down doesn't mean correct. You're not trying to violate it, right? Correct, correct. So those are the the big things and like the big analysis that we have to go through um, to make sure that that deals are structured the right way. Um, and, and I think you know our plan for future episodes is to get to talk more about Stark, how it started, how it's evolved, how how I don't even think it. It, it's really shifted, and I think if uh, I believe he's no longer alive, but I believe no, there's he, was, he made a comment that he if he he didn't like it the way it is now. Didn't Pete Stark make some sort of comment about how he was, did not like the way it's evolved, and if he could go back in time, he would undo it? Well, I, it, it, interestingly, I think there was some comments to that effect. M- my question is, and we could talk about this in another episode. Sure, because this is this could the, the whole policy. Episode topic a, a policy topic in other words now that we're moving to value-based reimbursement sure. by medicare right which is pay per episode of care uh is is that the death of stark i mean stark, yeah. stark was meant to pre- prevent overutilization so if you're paying on an episode of care no longer fee for service right do we really need stark right and you've got all these quality or metrics any, or, or any kickback for that matter i mean do you really need any kickback in the healthcare world right. if it's a pay per episode of care yeah that's true just a curious you know so I, but I agree with you. I think I think in future episodes, these these sort of back to the basics, mm-hmm. analyzing. I mean, I thought one good idea would be analyzing like the group practice. Yeah, you know, what's the group practice exception, and how does it? What is, what is a group practice? Yeah. So please comment if there's if there's something yeah. specific that you want us to talk about yes. in the Stark or anti kickback world. You know, today we got a little bit deep on the employment exception or, yes. or safe harbor. See, I, I used the wrong you phrase did, too. You just did I it. did it too. Um, if there's a specific one that you want us to talk about or, or if you've got a deal in mind, I mean, you could obviously comment and say, uh, don't give us all the information and we could do a little analysis on the show on, on how we would advise on it. Yeah. I think if, if, when we say comment, if you want to send us an email, uh, at, on our podcast email, I think we have, it. was it podcast at shahardi.com? Yes. It's on the link. It should be in the link below on the episode. Yes. So you'll see it podcast at shahardi.com. Send us an email and, uh, and tell us what you want to hear mm-hmm. and we can go ahead and try to make that happen. But we're going to keep diving into AKS and Stark a little bit more and, um, go from there. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap it up here. Uh, I think, uh, Rory, good job on that. Excellent job. My Thank friend. Thank you. And I want to say uh, thank you to the audience again for listening to uh, to Shahardi Shimmer Williams on our Health Law Podcast. We are going to wrap this up. Hope you have a great weekend and enjoy everything that you do in life. 
Uh, we'll see you next time for another episode of Health Law Talk with Shahardi Sherman-Williams. Thanks for listening to this episode of Health Law Talk presented by Shahardi Sherman-Williams. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel. Make sure to give us that five-star rating and share with your friends. Shahardi Sherman-Williams is providing this podcast as a public service. This podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice, nor does this podcast establish an attorney-client relationship. Reference to any specific product or entity does not count as an endorsement or recommendation by Shahardi Sherman-Williams. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own, and their appearance does not imply an endorsement of them or their entity that they represent. Remember, please consult an attorney for your specific legal issues.